what we have to do is continue the New Deal, continue it forward, and abolish labor as a commodity. I ask the Walton family, step into the guillotine room now, and we will sort out this mess. To be frank, the minimum wage is going to be zero. (laughs) There's not going to be any more wages. How are you going to have a minimum wage when we've abolished money? How are you going to have a minimum wage when we have destroyed the economy? (laughs) I'm Bernie Sanders, and I've just finished reading the moon book. (laughs) I am now moon-pilled, and I wish to completely destroy the economy and bring us to anarcho-primitivist futurist communism. Why democratize the economy when you could merely cut out the middleman and destroy it? <laughs> Elizabeth Warren's got a great program. It's not invariant. To be <laughs> frank, it's not invariant. <laughs> All right. So should we start the show? Are we starting? Uh, let's start a fucking let's show. Start the show. Yeah, it's fine. I suppose. Mm-hmm. How do you want to be introduced, Sophie? Uh, you can say I'm the night editor at Splinter. I am. Night editor makes you seem goth, so go for yeah, it. Yeah, I am goth. The night editor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I post in the evening. I do. I post I do. in the dark. I, I only post I do in n- the dark of night. I do not associate with day posters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> night mode all the time yeah. for Sophie Wiener. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, Let's just keep going. Let's, all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. I don't have to say the Antifada bit. No, nah, nah, All fine. right. I'll just do it. Um, yeah, this is the Antifada. This is a what show. are we saying? It's a show. All right. Yeah, it's great. So um, I guess I should introduce our guest before we go any further. Uh, she is back, two time returning champion in studio for the first time that we're actually going to use. Yes. She is the night editor at Splinter. Sophie Wiener, hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. I've come from Australia to see you, to be here right now. Aw. You come from a land down under. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What have you Good learned uh, from the left down in Australia? What, well, like that's different kind of what posting we talked about techniques? Wow, jumping right into it, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is hardly a left in Australia. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty depressing. Really? It's pretty vocal, though. I heard I from from what I hear on Twitter, there's like a really intense, crazy left in Australia. Yeah, that's like five people. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's there's like the socialists, there's the like Trotskyite socialists that hang out outside of the train stations and try to get you to join their their cult. Um, Whoa, cool! It's like I, a crusty trot. Everyone sucked. hates them. Yeah, it's there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of infighting. Shockingly, um, and then there's the galaxy brain left that hangs out on Twitter and gets up at five in the morning to post incomprehensible <laughs> screeds about people who live in Brooklyn that they're never going to meet. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is literally like two people. Um, but the yeah, a left the <laughs> a, yeah, uh, a couple, a couple of lefts. Uh, yeah, they, I don't know. I, I haven't really hung out with them. I think they're mostly in Sydney, which is hanging a bad out, place. Yum, hanging yum, out yum, would yum. require for them to leave the house and yeah. not just be on Twitter all day. Yeah. yeah, I've met like one of them. It was, Sorry. it was fine. Oh, okay. I'm not going to talk about it on here. <laughs> so, so blind items <laughs> wow you do work for gawker you're uh you are the night editor at yeah. uh splinter are there any divisions between the night and the day 
I mean, it's dark at night and in the day, it's light outside. Um, no, I mean, it's... Uh, Blowing my mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm the only one on. So I, I'm all alone in the dark by myself posting into, wow. into the void. That is um, the mindset. You're, you're like, it's uh, really fucking... It's really, really dark. You're yeah. like uh, mods are asleep post hentai. <laughs> I mean, I could if I wanted to. I post directly to the site. Right. I can post whatever I want. Uh, it's, it is a great... It's a great privilege and responsibility. Um, yeah. So basically, if I fuck up, it's all my fault. And uh, I can't blame anyone else. But, uh, but if you so ever yeah. wanted to go out with a huge bang and get fired in an awesome way, you could have a great night. Mm-hmm. I really One could. Great night. <laughs> One <laughs> great night of tentacle porn. <laughs> You'd be a legend. Honestly, I feel like they wouldn't fire me for that. Whoa, they, hey. they're, they're pretty chill. They're, That's good. They, they like it when you do weird shit. But, you know. I, I try to try to use my judgment. Well, we know Kath Krieger. She seems pretty chill. Yeah, she's cool. I just met her IRL the other day. Oh, cool. The Gizmodo Friend office. of the show. Yeah. Does it specifically say anywhere in the employee handbook that you cannot post tentacle porn? Uh, well, I wouldn't know because I'm a permalancer. Oh. So that does not apply to me. Shit. Even if you aren't allowed to post it, it still doesn't apply to me. Ugh. So, yeah. But, you know, one, one day I will actually yeah. have my my taxes automatically deducted live, from my paycheck live the kurt eichenwald dream that's what i say i'll i'll definitely consider it if they don't uh hire me for real soon so you've been in australia you heard it here first <laughs> you've been in australia for how long now uh, a little couple over years? a year over a year yeah i moved last april and, it's it's been an experience and is this your first time back in new york this is my first time back in New York since, no. since leaving. Welcome. There's a lot of paper straws and CBD <laughs> products that were not here the last time I came. I did a CBD dad the other day. What? Ooh, cool. That's, oh my God. Matt Leck is going to be so upset when I tell him. Why? He hates CBD. Why? He bought He bought weed in, um, in LA and by accident he got CBD weed. He's like, what the fuck is this shit? I think it's because CBD is like Narcan, you know, for like opiates. I think if you do enough <laughs> CBD and you're a weed smoker, you can't get high. I don't think that's true. Oh, you don't no? get high. You, know, you don't get. You just don't get high if you only do off CBD. weed. I mean, I mean, so in LA it makes less sense, but here it's just like, well, weed's going to be legal soon enough, so let's open up a CBD shop and just bide our time until it's a weed shop. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. completely what's happening, and that's why I did the dab because they were trying. They were like showing this rig that you can use to do dabs. <laughs> oh my god! Like a certain wow. guest of ours. Wow. <laughs> and like, yeah, obviously you're not going to do dabs of cbd all day but like, he wants I'm you to so buy it. he wants to show right he wants to show oh you God. how to do dabs right you know? it's right. like i took a quarter of a xanax was this a, all right was, so actually, fucking was, chill. was this like i mean yeah it sounds better than being actually stoned to a- me andy was this like one of those like um little uh tables they put up at um what's that place called trader joe's or something like that it was at was, uh fluid which is a, a gender non-conforming clothing store oh and they were oh. having a little party open house thing Sounds very Brooklyn. that's where i i i found that gay beer i posted a picture of <laughs> yes you did oh <laughs> that's great made in brooklyn <laughs> you love to see it so i heard you guys had some elections recently down under yeah I, uh, I did how fraud it was cool i, I feel voted. like you i know that that's not true because no. it would have gone very differently <laughs> yeah i would have i would have been the the tipping point in in the election uh yeah no it was bad it was 
it was it was kind of like a a mini like Trump Brexit type situation Mm -hmm. where everyone was like, oh, yeah, like labor's going to take everything back. Labor's going to win. And then labor did not win. Mm. And uh, it was bad. And now the shitty racist bad government is still in in place. So, yeah, everyone's like, oh, no, how did we not see this coming? And Mm. I'm like, ah, you should listen to me. Now, I know, I know the future. Now, does everybody appreciate the irony that you did voter fraud by voting as a illegal alien, but you did it voting for Anning Fraser? <laughs> Fraser Anning, you mean? <laughs> no, I it use is, it like it's, it's reversible. In a yeah. Fraser Anning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I I voted for him. I voted actually. There's this whole phenomenon of like micro parties in Australia because it's like ranked choice voting, so you can vote for whatever weird little cause you want and then they'll like direct your votes to a bigger party but because of that actually a bunch of like hipsters in sydney who were voting for this like nightlife party had their votes directed to like the conservatives or like other bad things by accident so yeah it's it's like a problem there's like you know an animal liberation party there's all kinds of various uh micro micro parties which is definitely more fun than than we get to have is in that our elections. like a microaggression uh but in yeah, party form i guess i guess so um no this is not what Deleuze and guitari meant by micropolitics <laughs> <laughs> it's like that pirate party that exists in some places right there's the pirate yeah party. but i think that's just like a real party i mean th- yeah. that they like controlled some some parliament seats in sweden or something oh, i cool. think Australia is weird because it's behind the U.S. in a lot of ways. Like it, they're just sort of starting to be like, "Oh, uh, fascism is resurgent and a problem." Uh, but in other ways, they're really ahead of us. Like the like concentration camp on a prison island type type vibe, which I'm sure Trump would love to do, but we haven't done it yet. But yeah, there people are like lighting themselves on fire on the on the prison island. So. Well, but they're just trying to protect the social democratic welfare state, right? Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't think the people who hate immigrants give a shit about the welfare state. They probably don't even know what the welfare state. They probably want to get rid of the welfare state because they think too much of it is going to these like goddamn immigrants from China and you know, various other places. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't really know what the sort of like uh, the politics of getting rid of the wel- wel- welfare state in Australia are. It does seem like like many places, there is this basic level of protection that people are just used to and that they're probably not going to be able to get rid of uh, completely. But they have the... Uh, vaunted uh public private healthcare system where you can get private insurance and more and more people are having to get private insurance and fewer and fewer doctors are taking medicare mm. so that's what we can look forward to if we do not pass medicare for all without private health insurance you got to be careful in australia because uh if you do like in the 1970s and labor goes too far in its policies you could get cooed again by the cia you know you, you'd hate to see it or you could have something which actually happened in Australia, which is the queen dissolves the government. Mm-hmm. That can happen. Wow. That yeah. happened in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Was that the same thing? I know the CIA had a hand in overthrowing a labor government. Were in they Australia? Working? Yes. 
Yeah, I've like never ni- heard about 1976. Oh, yeah. I will oh, look this it up. is real. Yeah, this is really oh, real. Oh, yeah. I think it's a different thing. It might be. I, I think it's a totally different thing. It's because they couldn't form a government, I believe. And so they, uh, the like guy who's like the representative of the queen in Australia, who technically has the power to dissolve the government, but had never done it before, just was like, yeah, I'm doing it. Oh. Sorry. Is we're the still queen part just the a kangaroo with a crown? No, the queen is the queen. There's only one queen. Here, uh, here, we, here we go. <laughs> I found it. Uh, in The Guardian from several years back, John Pilger, who is a great documentarian. His politics have got a little shit over the last few years, but it's an article in The Guardian, the British-American coup that ended Australian independence. In 1975, Prime Minister... Gough Whitlam, who died this week, dared to try to assert his country's autonomy. The CIA and the MI6 made sure he paid the price. So I was right. CIA, MI6 overthrew a labor government. Yeah, he was probably trying to like nationalize Vegemite or something. <laughs> can't can't do that. Oh man, gonna go. they're gonna big, come for you. The big no no. Well, there's a little history uh, tidbit right there for you about uh, lovely Australia and uh, wonderful uh, U.S. foreign policy. Let's get into some some news that happened this week uh, on this loose little show we've got here with Sophie Wiener. I think Jamie wanted to say something about uh, something cool that happened in Albany for once this last week. Uh, Yeah, so I want to give a shout out to all of the people who worked so hard to pass a raft of nine bills, eight of which actually passed. They constitute uh, universal rent control, um, including our state senator, Julia Salazar. So shout out to her. Um, The most radical one did not pass. It was Julia's bill that would have effectively brought most unregulated units under rent regulation, which would have been huge and helped a lot of people enormously. So the fight is not over, but the landlords are freaking out, which is good enough for me to think that it's at least a partial victory. There was a news article that said they were shocked, shocked that this happened to them. It's so good. It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) They're so mad. Who fucking who? The the AOC thing is, I'm sorry, the Julia Salazar thing is interesting because hers was the most radical, I guess, of regulations and reforms. And it was the one thing that Cuomo, you know, was said, I will not support this. But because of that, the other eight were able to come through because Julia's was like the leading edge. And it gave Cuomo a kind of excuse to like be like, well, I pushed back a little bit on the, you know, the the most radical provisions, but we still got eight out of nine. And that's pretty good. It's so good, though, with Cuomo, because he's just like he has no principles. Uh, He doesn't actually care about anything. And so these landlords are like, I thought you were our friends. And he stopped returning their calls. And I don't have friends. Now, Democratic Socialists are my best friend. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's fucking hilarious. They're so upset. They're just like. We're just trying to help people get fancy condos and you won't let us. And now everyone in New York is going to be homeless. And it's like, yeah, there's not enough fancy condos. But we bet billions and billions of dollars speculating (laughs) on real estate in New York City so that we could take rent regulated apartments and illegally kick the people out of them (laughs) so we could make even more money for our investors. It's not fair. What did people not understand about this beautiful plan we had to help them live more affordably? (laughs) How did they not get it <laughs> uh, ungrateful ungrateful That's babies beautiful. 
This oh, is why we can't have nice things, folks. Yeah. Well, you know, a bit of, a bit of good news coming out of Albany for once. So cheers to everyone involved in that, uh, including those people, not the politicians, who organized, fought, and canvassed in order to push that forward. Shout out to all of you Hell folks. yeah. Um, I also want to give a shout out to our third AOC. <laughs> um, I know we've had some critiques of her in the past, but she did something very cool this week. Uh, she often does things that are cool. We're, we're all very proud of her here in this polycule. Um, <laughs> she has come out in favor of legislation that would make it easier to study shrooms, Ooh. MDMA, yes. and yeah. other psychedelics. Yes. So she, yes. AOC is ahead. Keep <laughs> reading your zine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she said, and I quote, from the opioid crisis to psilocybin's potential with PTSD, it's well past time we take drug use out of cr- criminal consideration and into medical consideration. Woo. That begins with research. I'm proud to introduce an amendment that helps scientists do their jobs. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Our first AOC impression. Yeah, on the that show. was pretty good. Job, that was very good. similar that to your regular voice. <laughs> a, a slightly yeah, well, more strident, but that's good. Well, we are sister wives, so <laughs> we're simpatico on that level. Oh, Apparently, man. there's uh, like a lot of people in the army are very in favor of this stuff. Cool. Because, yeah, I guess that makes sense. it's good for treating PTSD. Yeah. It's also just, you know, fun and mm-hmm. good. We like drugs, it's They're true. Good. In moderation. We do our excess in moderation over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Drug responsibly. Yeah. That's why you got to legalize all of it. So everyone knows what's in their drugs and they're not dying from accidental fentanyl overdoses. So uh, in addition to a shout out to Julia and, uh, you know, some decent politicians in Albany and a shout out to AOC for helping the pipeline of taking something from illegal to medicalized to completely fucking decriminalized. Hopefully mushrooms will be that soon. Uh, A big shout out to Ellie Valley for bringing to our attention a uh, wonderful, wonderful exchange. Uh, People might remember a character from our show. She's in our universe named uh, Barry Weiss. Discoverer of Australia. (laughs) Explorer of Australia. You know, before she went to Australia, we just had a bunch of dragons over there on the map. And now we know all about it. (laughs) It's true. So none of the dragons are racist. So, folks, Barry Weiss is back on her shit. Her one shitty grift that she has, which is complaining about deplatforming and social justice warriors and her and her friends getting completely owned and ratioed on Twitter. So she was on Bill Maher once again to talk about performative wokeness. Cue that up. Quick example. There's a Jordanian-American writer, herself, I think, a self-identified social justice warrior or whatever you want to call it. She was very <laughs> much a person of the left. She goes what? on the, the metro in D.C., takes a picture of a metro worker eating a sandwich, which is, I guess, not allowed under D.C. subway rules, oh. posts a picture of it. Mm. Then she gets piled on because the woman, the metro worker, was black and everyone's saying, how could you shame this person? And they're, they're right. Why would she have posted that picture? It was ridiculous. But they go on basically incessantly, even after the woman who posted the picture apologizes. Her book contract gets canceled. Aww. She went into the hospital for severe anxiety and panic and even, Aww. I think, went back to Jordan because she feared for her life. Now she's suing what? the book publisher for $11 million. So we'll so, see how that one turns out. So what are they saying about you right now on Twitter? 
Me? Just for saying this. <laughs> oh, I have no, I, I, I have no but, idea. But the idea, here's the point. The idea that Twitter is not real life <laughs> and that Twitter is like some fake reality, first of all, it's belied by the fact of this president. But also anyone who is on it and sees the kind of reputational damage it can cause, <laughs> certainly in my own life, knows that it is real. And Why does anyone go on? All right, that's enough. That's oh enough. My God. You know what? <laughs> She's fucking right. Uh, I have to say, as a victim of online <laughs> harassment, uh, I agree with Barry Weiss. Twitter is real life. People follow me around the street saying, you're the dirty legs girl. Uh, it's terrible. I have entered a treatment facility to deal with the trauma of that experience. Yeah, that's um, why you fled the country, right? Yeah, that's why I fled uh, Australia. You're a refugee from the posting wars. <laughs> I am. I am. Displaced person. <laughs> Displaced poster. And we know this is a really sensitive subject, so we're going to talk more about this in, in the bonus. We're yeah. going to... We're going to basically look at some of your allies on the left. The, the true dirtbag left. I can't wait. Yeah. The true dirtbag left. The yep. dirty leg left. The dirty All left. Right. All right. So, 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 so real quick, to get back to what this uh, human being did in order to get piled oh on God. on Twitter and lose her fucking book deal or whatever. She said, this was her tweet back then. When you're on your train, your morning commute, and see at WMATA employee in all caps uniform eating on the train. I thought we were not allowed to eat on the train. This is unacceptable. Hope at WMATA responds. When I asked the employee about this, her response was, quote, worry about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Which was the correct answer. Now... Now listen. She's like, no, I will not worry about myself. <laughs> I, I will commit internet like, seppuku right now. She literally wants to speak to her manager. Yeah, no. she's literally like, mods, mods, where are the train mods? <laughs> Yo, listen, dead ass. You, you can't even make this shit up, right? So, so Barry Weiss and Bill Maher and everybody wants to talk about this being like specifically a eat, like a, a black thing, right? Like, well, she got piled on because she was black, and that's part of it, of course, right? This woman, this Jordanian woman, probably wouldn't have tweeted that out if she hadn't had some sort of like subconscious or conscious racial response to this. I wouldn't uh, put it past her. I wouldn't put it past her. But more importantly, she straight up fucking snitch tweeted this union worker who was in between shifts and had like 15 minutes to eat. And like, I'm sorry. Okay. She, she broke the little rule that said you can't eat on the train. And she tried to get her fucking fired. She, she snitch tweeted. this No, the only time it's acceptable to get somebody fired is if that person is a Nazi. And yeah. even that is a bit of an edge case, in <laughs> yeah. my opinion. Yeah. I'd also like to add, too, you know, again, like, they, 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 they harp on this identity politics shit, right? But this is a professional managerial class asshole who works for the World Fucking Bank trying to get a working class woman fired from her union job. That is what's at stake right here, and that's why she's fucking horrible, and that's why she should be called out for snitch tweeting, and she should lose her fucking book contract. No tears for the World Bank employee Jordanian fucking uh, monster ghouls out there trying to get fucking union workers fired. Oh, and the funniest part is that she was suspended from her job at the World Bank because it's apparently fine to exploit the third world (laughs) with predatory lending practices, but a bad, an unwoke tweet is a bridge too far. That's right, Yeah. yeah. So that goes to show you how uh, flimsy and shitty this Barry Weiss, Bill Maher nexus of uh, SJW call outery is because uh, Twitter isn't real life. No matter how much you protest and no matter how much Barry Weiss, 
you think that your hot takes uh, getting piled on on Twitter is having a real effect on the world? It's not. It's just people calling you out on your fucking bullshit. Yeah. And by the way, the way this was reported made very little mention of the actual issue at hand, which is that she snitch tagged someone's employer. Yes. So Never do better, do that, liberal folks. media. Never do it, folks. So I understand that a little place called Bohemian Grove has been back in the news lately. I guess they found out about another pedo ring or something that was happening there. And I understand you have a personal connection to this place, Sophie. Isn't that right? Yeah, I worked there um, as a as a teen when I was like 19. I had a job as a waitress there um is waitress uh the term they use for groomer <laughs> i mean prob pretty much i mean yeah like okay to to be fair the actual the actual reason they're in the news is that people are yet again angry that women are not allowed in the grove uh which is true. We need we need more women uh, child eating Illuminati members uh, out there. Uh, more woman <laughs> child eating Illuminati. <laughs> but honestly, the the thing about the Grove and working there is that it is actually incredibly boring. Like nothing exciting is happening there. These these people who have all of this money and power. They're not out there fucking, you know, casting spells or eating children. All they're doing is getting drunk and peeing on trees. That's the most exciting thing they can think of to do with all of their money and power. And it's really fucking like they don't worship Moloch. Not that I saw personally. Yeah, Are you well, serious? You allowed or, or in every part of the Grove, had. right? Oh, no. There were some yeah. special, like, boys-only sleepover parties where maybe they did. There's, there a, there's literally a red yeah, line on the yeah. ground that you can't cross <laughs> if you're a woman in the, in the Grove. Wow. And they also are very strict about, like, employees have their own parking lot, and then you get picked up in a van and taken up. And at night when they take you back down, they don't turn on the headlights of the van because they don't want to, like spook the old people or something oh, i don't know isn't it more spooky to just have a car with no headlights careening I mean, down it's spooky for people in the car that's for sure uh but yeah it's uh i don't know Let, let's not spook it's henry terrible. kissinger let's just hit him with a vehicle i mean no that would on. be fine to be honest but yeah i no, am not calling terrible. for that to happen i'm just saying no. that that is a consequence no. that only, could happen the only kind of spooks they have there work for the cia uh, uh, yeah like uh. probably every cia director goes oh yeah there but yeah it's it was a it was a very weird juxtaposition of like everyone i went to high school with working there just like you know serving you know old assholes and then like literally the most powerful people in the world but i mean yeah they the thing they were really concerned about when i worked there was like trying to work around the fact that these old men are all like you know lecherous creeps so Mm. they were like you can't wear makeup can't wear earrings can't have painted nails like they were basically like it was Don't like practically your like, like handmade tale level like <laughs> you you must not tempt them oh, um yeah and they were like you're not allowed to take any tips because they think like well if you let them give you tips then like uh, you're you just know, opening the you know, door for you know it. what's yeah. gonna happen mm-hmm. but like yeah like every girl i knew there got groped it was like oh, very shit. normal yeah and you were saying in the um the piece uh, that you wrote about it, that Sonoma County doesn't have a lot of jobs for younger people, right? It's actually a pretty poor rural area in California. In yeah, some by the parts way, of it, yeah. I should introduce the fact that Sophie wrote a very good piece for Gawker about her time as a waitress at Bohemian Grove. I did back, we back in the day. We will put it in the R. show R. notes. Gawker. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, 
It's an interesting place because on the one hand, you do have like a lot of wealthy people. You do have these like rich old hippies who have been living there and, you know, making money for for decades. And now you also have like, you know, the Silicon Valley money sort of like creeping up there. But especially like when I was growing up there, there was not a lot of jobs. And a lot of the kids who went to my high school were from very poor families. There's a lot of sort of like white trash type people she air put quotes. up air quotes there, uh it. it was yeah it, there there was definitely that kind of vibe uh, i'm already canceled you can't cancel <laughs> me uh, you can't cancel me i'm already dead. i cancel myself uh anyway uh yeah so it was i mean getting this job for three weeks in the summer and sometimes you could get it a few other times a year too for like 11 dollars an hour was like holy shit i'm gonna actually get paid i'm gonna have some money this is awesome and also there were like no job requirements they would hire anyone so it was a really big deal for us um and i have friends who worked there for like five years or Jesus. longer and you know really got i had a friend who worked there year round on the maintenance staff and it's a real big source of employment for the area so and it's actually very like normal and a part of the like the community it, it's just that like it's also weird because where i'm from is such a like liberal and progressive area uh and then you have like all of the literal worst worst people in the world come in there to ruin ruin our chill vibes uh, well, with their bullshit i, I- yeah, as like as uh, you know, some sort of social democracy comes back to the United States as represented by Bernie Sanders. Perhaps what could happen is he could win the presidency, be invited to Bohemian Grove, and then from the inside say eleven dollars an hour is not enough for these workers. We must fight for fifteen. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't think they would let him in. Yeah, I probably not. Do not think <laughs> they would. They would let that happen. Why not? Better to abolish the whole thing, to be honest. Yeah, I, I just mean... nationalize the Grove. Turn it. <laughs> turn it into a re-education camp for for the same people who are there now. <laughs> it just lock has, the gates. Like a lot of in. a lot of good facilities. You know, it's like summer camp. It's just it the same as summer camp. camp. It literally is a summer camp. Yeah, and we wouldn't even be lying when we said that. <laughs> no. No, we're not. It is literally a summer camp. And I mean, they can keep their their milkshakes and stuff. Just just, just don't let them out. Just oh, leave so, them there. Some call it a luxury gulag. We call it summer camp. Speaking of milkshakes, um, I really liked the little story you told about how oh, yes. a certain presidential non-hopeful was once uh, denied the sweet, delicious treat of a milkshake. It was truly the best story that my friend could tell me. Uh, my friend who worked there uh, served Jeb Bush, and he wanted to have a milkshake. But there were, you know, even though it is very elite there, it's it's like they want to go there and, like, cosplay being a normal person, mm. like having a, like, trip with their bros and just, like, hanging out and getting drunk in the woods and not talking about, you know killing people around the world I'm for here a with few my, days. I'm here with my bros, uh, Richard Branson and <laughs> yeah. Henry Kissinger. Clint Eastwood. Jackie with your homies. Uh, yeah, but uh, so, you know, there are rules that sort of apply to all of them when they're there, and when you're in the dining circle where we worked, one of those rules is there's no milkshakes after 8pm because the pastry chefs have to prepare the desserts. So, you know, Jeb Bush asked my friend for a milkshake. It was after 8pm, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. We have to call them sir or refer 
to them as gentlemen at all times. Um, but Good like, luck. I'm sorry, I can't get you a milkshake right now. This is the deal. And he was just like, he literally was like, can I speak to your manager? <laughs> and she was like, yep, go ahead. And so she like brought over the manager and he was like, explain the exact same thing. Uh. And he literally was like, do you know who I am? It's the most Jeb Bush <laughs> shit that you can possibly imagine. And the guy was like, sir, I do know who you are, but the milkshake rule still applies to you. Well, <laughs> it's just like, fuck, he can't I, get anything. I would say just, I feel sorry for Yeb. Um, it's basically but, like a gulag already if you can't get milkshakes <laughs> well, around if the If you clock. can't, if, well, yeah. Well, this was many years back, okay? And I would say for all you ruling class ghouls out there that go to Bohemian Grove, you don't even have to ask for milkshakes anymore, okay? After 8 p.m., before 8 p.m., <laughs> we'll give you milkshakes whenever you exactly. want. Exactly. As long as you policy. never leave. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us the keys to your Porsche and we'll take care of it. We'll take it from here. All yeah. right. Techno, techno, techno. It's obvious transition. Yeah. From <laughs> no, I'm sure they had Grove. some lit raves at uh, Bohemian oh, Grove. I'm, I'm sure they sure got the they best did. DJs. Well, that's the other weird thing is that mostly the all the pr- entertainment is provided by Grove members. So it's like Ugh, the Steve God. Miller band is like ex- like plays there a lot, oh, but God. like it's it's mostly like like henry kissinger putting on a play with donald rumsfeld literally i'm not fucking making this they up really, that's what it is they really have it's built, very dark they've built their own gulag yeah wow. really they have i know it's like come on at least got like blue man group or something <laughs> yeah well if i really want to level up next time i take acid maybe i'll go to the grove if they would even let I'm me pretty in sure someone already did that it was his name's alex jones <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. just permanently on acid. Yeah. That's his just body his normal state of being yeah alex jones went there and he was like i've uncovered some crazy shit but no it was nothing someone dosed him that's all it was yeah. uh so techno 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 all you electric dance music people out there uh talking to you theo dylan yeah all of you folks four on the floor boom 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 bang 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 rave 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 we are excited to announce that sophie and her friends have created a techno zine for socialists what's it called sophie it's called pluralitarian or oh. is it a socialist zine for techno heads it's more that it's more a socialist zine for techno heads we're we're taking over we're we are harnessing the energy of the techno scene and radicalizing it Ooh, very and marianne i like it yeah that's what we're trying to do we're trying to we're trying to get the right mindset in the techno scene so we can take over everything else because i mean if these people can stay up for three days without leaving the club on drugs and still you know vaguely move they we need them we need them for the revolution we need their youthful energy yes yes this is something i want to ask because i read the zine it's very good great i really enjoyed it um but i didn't find out what you're supposed to do at a techno party uh, the eternal question. You can do whatever you want. That's the whole thing. It's pure freedom. You get to do, mm. if you want to lie on the floor, you can do that. Mm. If you want to have sex in the corner, you can do that. Mm. If you want to do drugs, you can do that. You're giving me some flashbacks to some things that I maybe <laughs> did do but shouldn't have <laughs> in a little Same. place called Bergheim. Bergheim. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Oh, that God. happened to us. So... <laughs> 
(laughs) For those who don't know, Berghain is like the most famous techno club in the world, I guess, or one of them. It's uh, in in an old uh, East German power plant. It's like five stories high. It's this incredible building. They've turned into a humongous dance club that that starts on Friday night at midnight and does not stop until Monday morning. Uh, at like 7 a.m. or something like that. It's like a noon, w- I think. Yeah. Noon, yeah. yeah. Wild. So you wait in a really long line, and eventually you get to the front, and there's a door guy there named Sven, and he looks you up and down and decides if you can come in or not. And the way that they decide at this club is not the normal way that they decide at cheesy clubs in Manhattan. Right. Right. It's not like, oh, you have a bunch of hot chicks with right. you. You can come in. In fact, if you're a chick, it's very hard to get in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah or, you want to. It, it, it's not just letting in hot chicks and keeping out black people. Right. That's totally Although, to the be opposite. fair, they have had some problems with keeping out black people. Oh, man. <laughs> there, there, there are some issues. Sven, do better. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Right well, it's canceled. That makes <laughs> this story a little less whimsical and adorable, but I'm going to tell it anyway. It's okay. So we still like it. We tried our best to look like 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 they I guess, I mean, this is what I was told the idea is that they want to let in a good mixture of people who aren't going to like cause trouble. If you're a bunch of like Euro trash looking guys in soccer jerseys, they're probably not going to let you in or a bunch of like sorority girls who are already drunk. But if you look like a cool, you know, techno person or whatever, like like our friend Arthur is really, really, really into this stuff. And he was like, all right, you guys are wearing black. You look like you're from New York. You're not in the top tier, but they'll probably let you in still. (laughs) And we're like, cool. So like Sven let us in. And then what did we do there, babe? What did we do? We ruined everything. We were the stupid Americans. (laughs) It was so bad. Perfect. So uh, when you go to Berghain, something you should know is the drugs there are on a, it's a another order yes. from the drugs you get in the states an order of magnitude let's say or maybe that so, least new york yeah fair so like the molly i was doing we were doing like it was regular molly but mm-hmm. it was like straight from a super lab in amsterdam yeah. like galaxy brain molly just one um, big giant crystal sean threw up in the middle of the floor yep sure did <laughs> right in front of everybody like a total asshole four hours in I just projectile vomited all over the <laughs> The thing the place. is, what you should have done is just find someone who's into that and throw up <laughs> onto them. Because that's really, that would be, that would be fine. Yeah. You Everyone just did it in the wrong room, it. babe. Yeah, you, you were just in the, the wrong room. part of the club. I should have done it in the dark room where yeah. all the sex was happening. I fucked up. I was like, so I, I feel like I shouldn't even tell the story because my parents it. are definitely tell listening. But like, you know, I can't just be making this show for my parents, all right? The, the people want to hear. So if you're listening, mom Wait, and dad, turn it off right parents. now. So, I mean, they can't, they can't all be my parents, right? It's possible it's they Father's have some Day. Only under Alts. communism, under communism, <laughs> oh, they perfect. will all be your parents. This is a perfect story for Father's Day. <laughs> so I'm like flat on my back in the chill out room because the Germans do everything perfectly, right? So they have a room for exactly this scenario. Yeah, the, the idiots who the- too many drugs. <laughs> I went there to too. I was lying parties. down. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So like my eyes are sunk way back in my head. I'm having really intense flashbacks to my childhood. She looked very unwell from my position. Sean had to cut me off from drinking water because I was just drinking too much <laughs> yeah, water. That's a problem. I kept thinking these uh, nonsense sentences that like 
I knew if I could just figure out what they meant, I they held some profound meaning, but then I would say them out loud and they would change and sound weird. I'm like, no, what the fuck is happening? You know, Virgil right told a really similar story at, at about Berlin like two weeks ago. Yeah, except okay, I listened to that and uh, no offense, but they know fucking nothing about techno. Those I people did. I specifically warned them all. In their defense, I told we don't them either. this story before they went, yeah. and they clearly didn't heed my yeah. warning. Whatever, I tried. Let the record show that I tried. So we stayed there till about two p.m. We felt so bad. We let Sven down. We really like, did. He he wasn't mad. He was just disappointed. <laughs> like he thought we were like cool, chill New Yorkers, and nah. we treated that place like it was fucking Coachella. It's unfortunate. We get back to the house too, and uh, Sean did not know what to do with me because I was starting to come down and feel horrible. Yeah, she was from her overdose stage into her coming down stage. Oh. So what did he do? He made a nice lukewarm bath for me, <laughs> and he washed my hair, and it was oh, really nice. That's very sweet. It was. My, it was so a cute. real like requiem for a dream moment though <laughs> thankfully yeah. not the last well, scene uh, the last scene was something we witnessed yeah. in the club yeah yeah well You're more like the mother character thankfully under full communism all the drugs will be measured at exactly the right dose that's right and, and uh, we will collectively own the club so <laughs> we won't sorry sven you will be you will be part of the worker cooperative um, <laughs> he'll probably be fine with that he seems pretty yeah cool. he'll be I, chill. I did see my first uh real world fisting at uh Berghain, <laughs> which wow. i appreciate uh that experience so thank you berlin thank you jeremy thank you sven i know that we let you down but uh you did open my eyes to what um a fist inside of a you know butthole looks like and it's it's uh there it's something i'll carry with me to the end of my yeah, days yeah. we walked by them the first time and sean's like oh he's giving his friend a massage that's so nice <laughs> <laughs> and then we walked back the other way and sean's like oh that makes more sense <laughs> I thought this was the massage room. Like, uh, can yeah. I get one too? Oh. <laughs> I could have probably. But. He was massaging his prostate. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. so that's what techno is. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> too much. No, I always fine. take no, it a no, step no, too fine. far. This is my. But this yeah. was my problem at Berghain as well. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're starting a zine because uh, techno is cool. Uh, it's good, and dance music is fun, and it's a cool radical culture that was created by people of color and queer people and the state hates it they try to ban it in every possible way they can there's literally look look up the rave act joe joe biden supported it uh, another uh, black mark. yeah among everything else that's a bridge too far yeah yeah you what's the rave act um it was i believe in the 90s uh it was an attempt to uh, make make raves illegal, basically. Um, I it wasn't there's. I get them confused because there's one in the UK too that was a similar thing, and in the UK it literally outlawed parties where the music being played was like a series of repetitive beats. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were like, we can't be having that. That's this almost is not okay. Ev- that's wow. almost every music, though. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's Rush. No, 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 but Unless you're, it's like Rush, and it's just like all like They tried to tempo. like it's... clinically define what dance uh, music God. was to outlaw <laughs> it. Yeah, it was fucking nuts. But that shit happened in the U.S. too. And um, 
yeah, so they've they've tried to get rid of us at every turn, and we have continued to to party regardless. Um, but yeah, no, my friend, good friend, friend, friend of the show, Zoe Beery, and I, uh, we were at this great techno festival in upstate New York a few years ago called Sustain Release, and we were you know sitting around the campfire talking about some shit in the in the ambient zone. We started talking to this guy, and we were, I was just like, "Wait, are you in DSA?" And he was like, "Yeah." And we we're like, "Holy fuck!" And then we we're like, "We need to start a techno caucus." That didn't really work. Uh, so then, two years later, we we're like, "What else could we do?" Okay, we'll start a zine, and and here we are. But um, yeah, the the idea basically is that you know, techno is this sort of liberating radical force that creates a model of what a different kind of world could look like a less hierarchical less restrictive less policed world and anyone who's been to a rave can tell you it is a freeing experience to get to go to this place where you don't have to worry so much about who you want to have sex with or what you look like or where you're from or any of those things and you get to kind of just like be there and so we we've you know been in the techno scene in New York for a while um and we realized that these people are like prime targets for propaganda and we want them to you know we want to bring them in we want to bring them to the cause uh there there are some really rad parties already happening in New York that are political there's a party called Melting Point that is trying to dismantle ice that's really rad um and so we saw these things like that there was also a party to support uh chelsea manning's uh you know getting her out of prison fund uh last week so we saw these sort of stirrings in the new york nightlife community and we were like we need to we need to make this explicit we need to get people to understand the power that they have to organize both like our own community the dance music community and the world at large and bring that sense of freedom and autonomy that the dance music community fosters to to the world so yeah hell yeah i think that's really beautiful and like that's the main reason why like i like everything about techno except the music and i feel Same. so bad about Same. it I tried. like the culture mm, I tried has so like tried hard. house yeah yeah, yeah, tried yeah. it all. Tried the culture it all is like it's miles beyond the politics of the indie rock scene. Oh, it's man, queer. Yeah. It's trans. It's kind of leftist. It's it's all the, the good things that we like. I just cannot get into the music unless yeah. I take a heroic dose of Molly, which is something you don't want to do every day. That's true. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's an acquired taste. Um, I, for one, agree with Jamie. I wish I could enjoy the music. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, not for me. I had a lot of friends in the 90s who were uh, into jungle music. That was the big thing back then. And I remember that there was a real serious crossover between the scene that I hung in, which was the skater hardcore kids that wore Jenkos, and the skater raver kids who also wore Jenkos. Oh, the 90s. <laughs> the 90s. And I uh, I did, I, I tried to like it. I mean, I... I I don't know. Didn't try that hard. But anyways, well, you I, did. Sorry. I did go to my first rave in 1998. Wow. Uh, which was maybe not quite the high point. I think maybe in the U.S. it was. Was it the high point? 
I, don't I know. mean, there's been Mid-90s. waves. Okay. Well, whatever Rave wave, waves. whatever wave it yeah. was, it felt Splash. kind of uh, crusty because we took the uh, <laughs> we took the ferry to Staten Island. This oh, is back cool. in '98. Went to Stapleton, you know, where uh, Wu uh, Tang, the you know fucking Shaolin. We went to Shaolin basically, yeah. and there was an old warehouse, and it was a rave, and uh, I had some fun. I didn't like the music, but I managed to get beat for ecstasy three times in one night, which is pretty impressive. Some guy sold me a pill that said E on it, and I think in <laughs> retrospect, it was Excedrin. Um, but <clears throat> finally, it was make your Tylenol that he wrote the letter E on with Sharpie, yeah. and you're like, oh, sick. Eventually, we did get <laughs> fucked get up fucked enough up. that uh, we took the wrong train from the Staten Island Ferry and ended up at Sheepshead Bay at 10 oh, in the morning. So. Oh it was God. awesome. But yeah, that's, no. That's I, the that's the dream you know yeah <laughs> but you you did manage to learn how to rave though and you're very lucky that i no longer have his video on my phone because <laughs> i think i must have dropped that phone in the toilet or something at one point in time i did have a very good video of sean stark nude red mad and nude <laughs> raving his little buns off mm-hmm. to Austria. And you're lucky right. I don't have it anymore because that would totally be like our next patron oh, bonus God, on a level the, with Acid Kitchen. Oh man, that would be the image for this uh, for this episode. That would suck. I so mean, bad. we could always make another one. It's like okay. you haven't forgotten how to rave. Well, I my friend worked at a uh, head shop, which was very helpful around this rave time, and um, there was nothing much to do except skateboard and uh, teach me how to use glow sticks to make orbs. You know, it's like original <laughs> two, Marianne shit. The two you know? skills that you need to yeah. survive in this world was, um in the 90s but in I the 90s there, yeah I, I think there's an interesting <laughs> he's still here isn't he <laughs> he did yeah he got he survived out. the 90s in your did. in your manifesto i believe it is you talk about turning real estate into rave estate yeah. and that's maybe why in my mind i associate the skateboarding thing with the rave thing because both of them are about appropriating spaces yeah. that uh, have either been disinvested in by capital or that aren't meant for uh, pleasure and aren't meant for thrashing. And when we were kids, you know, any anything was game. You know, yeah. public parks, we used to skate in front of police station, like the Brooklyn banks and, and all that shit. Uh, so I think there is an interesting connection there about taking totally. back space and doing your own thing with it. And in Europe specifically, it was a big part of the squatter movement. Yeah. Was, with squatting these yeah. venues. And- oh, yeah. I mean, it's only been, you know, obviously... Uh, dance music and the rave scene uh quickly became commercialized like everything is but you know its roots are really in taking disused uh on you know uh, conventional spaces and making these temporary autonomous zones in them where we can all do a thing that we aren't really supposed to be doing together and that feels really exciting and special and i really think it can be a gateway to leftist politics because people go to these places and they think oh i don't have to see big brand logos here i don't have to get my entire body cavity search to come inside i don't see a bunch of cops loitering outside i can not worry about you know expressing myself in whatever way that is and i think that is like something that people need to be able to experience. And I think, you know, I think you guys are perhaps a little more familiar with another similar and I think equally important version of this, which is like the DIY scene in New York, which also gave me that feeling when I first came here and went to, you know, a space like 
death by audio or silent barn or whatever and got to feel like oh there are not the same rules here that there are in the outside world and i am seeing that we can actually create new ways of organizing our lives together and i think that is really radical and cool without um you know, completely shitting all over your entire project. I'm not here to do that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm just, leaving. I'm interrogating. I'm interrogating one of yeah, your claims yeah. here. You say dance music opens a window into a world run by all of us rather than the oppressive machinery of capitalism. And you spoke very eloquently about how these are radical spaces of you know liberation, both personal uh, and collective. Counterpoint, Burning Man. Okay, Burning Man is not a techno event. <laughs> there uh, may be techno it, at Burning Man. It is a temporary autonomous this zone, This sounds though. a little like no true Scotsman to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no true techno? Uh, excuse me. Uh, this, is not, this is not logic-based. Um, no, I mean, last week. I mean, okay, you could just as easily... I mean, I, I think we do mention in our manifesto, and we definitely are going to be dealing with, in as we you know continue this project, the fact that so much of dance music culture has been co-opted by, you know, everything from Red Bull to, you know, uh, no, they, Burning they have Man. A very Tech prestigious Bros. academy, I hear. They do. And I mean, I've worked a lot for Red Bull. And, and I sugar-free think Red Bull cool. helps you make the best posts. We should take all their money. We should take their money and use it to do our things, for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are They're a like lot... the modern-day Medicis. <laughs> Basically, yeah. There's a lot of problems within the dance music scene. And so, yeah, it's not in any way like... Uh, you know, inherently going to create a more equal or just society. And so I think that's why our, hopefully, why our voice is needed in this culture because there is this potential there, but there's also the potential for it to go the wrong way and turn into, you know, Coachella or uh, Electric Daisy Carnival or one of these hyper-commercialized, hyper-policed, uh, surveilled things that are not great like we want to you know we want to unionize resident advisor we want to unionize Berghain if it's not already I don't (laughs) think it is uh we want to inspire people around the world in this you know very interconnected international scene to think about both the structures inside the community and how they could be changed and the structures in our lives and in the wider world and how maybe we can take the both the best from both of these worlds and uh create a new new kind of reality so you're you're not you're not saying that techno and that scene is a replacement for organizing in politics you're saying that there are some elements of that that can be a model for how we imagine a better world and also that that scene because of its diy nature and because of the liberatory experiences collective experiences that they give people that they are prime spaces for starting socialist organizing yes is that fair yes 100 percent. you got it I told you I wasn't here to shit all over it. Good. I I didn't say that. (laughs) I mean, just with any kind of communal experience, uh, you know, whether it be music or a protest, you know, or a riot or something like that, just because you're getting a lot of people together, you know, and like something kind of connects them, you know, there's this sort of new subjectivity and being in a crowd and, you know, being moved by like a certain idea or a certain beat. 
it's not necessarily a good thing, you know. This like a oh, ri- yeah. riots are not always against capital in the state. There's sometimes lynching. Um, so sometimes there's fascist <laughs> yeah, dark and wave. I mean, that's yeah. that's definitely a danger, and that's one of the things we want to provide, like education for people within the dance music community to say, like, this is how you tell if someone is being a fascist. Like, this is how mm. this is the history of these things. These are the warning signs, and these are how you can prevent those things. Because, yeah, as you say, it can totally be used as a force for for evil uh, when people get together, and especially when they're, you know, in an altered state or whatever. Oh. It's definitely not in any way inherently a positive thing so that's why we're like let's not just assume that this culture is good or that this culture is progressive or lib or a libertarian type movement let's make it that let's be really explicit about what it is that we believe instead of just assuming that we're all here because we are you know good and we want to have a good time so you're saying we have to return techno to its its plur values yes it's well, founding constitution of <laughs> what, tell people what plur is because so, i had no idea what plur was i mean yeah, okay really so did not. It's, it's a we're being a bit you know uh cheeky with the use of plur it's uh cheeky. an acronym you've been in australia for too long yeah. we don't use cheeky <laughs> Go on, it's go it's on. an it's an acronym from the '90s, uh, from the rave scene of the '90s. Uh, it means peace, love, unity, respect. Um, it was often, you know, emblazoned on T-shirts and flyers for raves. Um, and yeah, I mean, we think those are good values. You know, I think I think we're all like into those those vibes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, techno and the dance music scene predated. The, uh, you know concept of plur by like almost 20 years so we're not like that's not like that what it, but i think those values express the ideal of the dance music community and it's something that we think is uh, a nice a nice idea to bring into the wider world yeah um do you want to give a little bit of the history of the techno movement or can I call it a movement? I don't know. Sure. It's a fucking movement. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people's image of it is kind of like a bunch of white kids at the Electric Daisy Carnival. Yeah, but like I, I under- ravers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I understand that its roots go back to being uh, incredibly uh, LGBT, POC, and urban, which is part of why it's been so maligned and criminalized through the years. 100%. Yeah. So it really, it started in Chicago. So it started in Chicago with house music. Uh, there was a venue in the late 70s, early 80s called The Warehouse. And there were DJs there like Frankie Knuckles and people. And it really sort of rose in tandem with hip hop in some ways because it was essentially using the same innovation in technology, having two turntables and using the breaks in songs where you could just hear the beat and having the same record on both turntables so you could repeat that break over and over again ah. and just use the beats without the you know vocals and without the, the actual song. Uh, songs like, uh, I think, Good Times by Chic were some of the early ones that people would use. And so, you know, just like hip hop used that and then had MCs rapping over it, uh, dance music would just use the ba- would just use the breaks to construct a whole new sort of like pumping, endless 
transfixing hypnotic rhythm and that's where you get like disco and disco was really the precursor to house and then you had people like you know from Frankie Knuckles to people like Giorgio Moroder and stuff like that but it it was in this this venue which was really radical at the time because it was a mix of gay and straight and black and white and uh that was called the warehouse and that's where house music came from because they were like oh it's it was recordings of sets at the warehouse that just started to be labeled house music oh that's a very good historical materialist explanation Sophie. (laughs) but yeah from there it spread to new york it spread to the uk it uh it spread to places like um uh david mancuso's loft in new york uh and from the UK, it went into like really sort of uh, DIY, like we're going to go to a field with speakers and everyone will just know to go out on this like freeway to this field and that's where we're going to have this party. And it was really difficult for the police to stop because they didn't know where it was going to happen next. And they had to kind of like run around chasing these people uh-huh. and people, you know, it was in some ways a sort of, mirror image to some of the radical ideas from like the 60s and 70s where people thought like oh like you know someone drops acid once and they're gonna like their whole perspective is changed people started having that sort of feeling about taking ecstasy and uh mdma and like you know someone would some guy in a suit in the uk would go to a go to a rave one weekend and take ecstasy and the next week he would be like you know <laughs> sleeping on the beach in Ibiza wearing like a smiley face t-shirt or whatever there was this idea of like this is really changing people um but yeah it all started with the black queer community in Chicago and in New York and uh it's really not 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 about the you know people at Coachella with the flower crowns or the like super serious white guys in berlin they're they're just the the beneficiaries of decades of culture so, yeah well it's got a knockoff effect too uh, even for people who who weren't organizers or a big part of that one specific example is um i was on the job recently and i just got laid off by the way woo so Sorry. i had a good month out on the construction site but i'm laid off now and that's fine more time for podcasting but one of my best friends in the in the union he um what, he's about 10 years older than me, and he started a conversation with another guy on the job uh, several years back about their childhood, and he used to go to the limelight all the time. Oh, and yeah. so here you have, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, here you have a guy who's like a half a gangster, like straight up like Staten Island Italian-American dude who is like cool as shit with a lot of cultural signifiers and, and different sort of subjectivities much more so than he would have been otherwise because he used to hang out the limelight when he was a kid, when he was younger, and so did these other guys. And, like, it gave them a new kind of, you know, view of the world and what, you know, acceptance of different communities. I'm going to guess he's not one of the co-workers of yours who says the N-word. Unfortunately, I've heard him say the N-word. So these things are very complex. Uh Uh, You can't can't have it all. You can't have it all. But, you know... He, he's, he's better than most. Um, one thing I wanted to say, and, and this is something that we didn't touch on, on uh, in History as a Weapon or I think in episode 17 about the 70s, but uh, the backlash to disco 
uh, in the late 70s and early 80s was huge because disco was very similar, right? In that it was urban, it was POC, and it was also queer. And it was this music that kind of transfixed the nation. And the backlash to that ended up with this disco sucks, you know, burning. and Yeah, uh, it was very fascist. Ver- disco sucks was like a fascist movement. <laughs> and it was a reflection of the backlash of these, uh, con- the- these conservatives from not in the cities, you know, who were largely white. Uh, who uh, rejected not just the music itself, but of course what it represented, which was yeah. this decadent, urban, non-Christian, freedom, freed- f- yeah, or queer people of exactly. color. Yeah, so I mean, disco was, was dance music. Disco was the precursor to the entire dance music uh, scene. So yeah, that was really the origin story. Is this? you know, new way of doing things with people, which is more fluid, more free, different kinds of people together, lots of queer people, lots of people of color, and then all these really angry straight white dudes coming in and literally burning disco records and like yep. blowing them up at uh what was it was it uh fenway park or another wrigley field, I think wrigley wrigley field. field. Okay. sounds like yeah. something they would do in a Boston. baseball place yeah, chicago's got that too yeah. yeah yeah cubs fans red sox fans yankees fans that's like the alliance of, <laughs> of like sublimated <laughs> the American evil fascism. axis <laughs> the axis of evil <laughs> anyway Phillies fans nationals fans oh my god but so yeah. let's... i think we're good on that Let's talk about <laughs> drugs for a minute, because I know that's as one opposed of our... to what we were talking about before. <laughs> Let's talk about something else for a change on this show. We've never talked about drugs before, but there's a first time for everything. Um, and I've seen the critique, like even when I myself write about drugs or write on drugs or take drugs and attend a horrible neoliberal nightmare festival Ooh. like I did last summer um a critique i sometimes get from people is that that i'm really displaying my privilege by taking drugs and writing about it because it does take a certain level of privilege to be able to do that and i'm like i'm sensitive to this critique my response is usually like there's nothing wrong with doing drugs um i don't want to disallow myself to do drugs i want everyone to have yeah. the freedom to do what they want or, including drugs or to not do drugs if they don't like drugs. yeah that's right no I mean, drugs it, are mandatory in my communist <laughs> authoritarian it's the, state it's the same i mean there's uh one thing that i did in my zine was this little sort of like what are the the like you know frequent dumb questions that leftists get asked and one of them is the sort of like oh, how can you be a socialist when you own an iPhone? And it's that kind of same thing of like, oh, how can you believe that everyone should have these same rights that you take advantage of when not everyone has them now? And it's like, that's not a contradiction. It's only a contradiction if you actually believe in the current criminalization Mm -hmm. and uh, stigmatization of drug use. It's like, I think it's fair to say, like, don't be an idiot about it. Like, don't be like, oh, like, I'm not aware of my own, like, whiteness or whatever. Wow, I feel so judged right now by you. (laughs) But, like, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's fine. Everyone should be able to do these things that shouldn't just be limited to an elite group of people. It should be 
everyone is allowed. Yeah, we don't want to take away your Molly. We want to give everyone the option of doing Molly. <laughs> exactly. and, and spread no, the Molly no around. going to benefit from you not doing that. Like, who's, who's benefiting from you not talking about doing drugs? So one, uh, again, not a huge pushback, but you mentioned the temporary autonomous zone. Uh, and this is something, again, I remember from the 90s, my friends who were into that, uh, had that book by Hakim Bey, otherwise known as Peter Lamborn Wilson, who wrote a uh, quite influential anarchist book, anarchist text, about the creation of these temporary autonomous zones of liberation and freedom and how he understood that as a sort of you know, philosophical expression of what anarchism could be. Um, I myself think that uh, Hakim was um, bad anarchism at its baddest. Uh, I think that this conception of temporary autonomous zones, while it, you know, it makes sense in terms of what we do before social transformation, transformation happens, there's a lot of limitations to that. And I'm not merely saying that because Hakim Bey is a out-and-out Nambla pedophile, although that is part of it, and also a trust fund uh, rich kid. Uh, but, you know, I want to kind of interrogate this conception of temporary autonomous zone. And if you think that that could be spread into sort of permanent autonomous zones and what that would look like. I mean, I think that is one of those phrases that has sort of gone from this one, you know, specific context of his book uh, and kind of entered the general parlance on the left. So, you know, by using that phrase, we weren't like trying to refer to his actual conception of it, but more like the general idea, as I've said, of, you know, when we experience new things, it widens our perceptions and it allows us to conceive of the world differently. And, you know, I don't think Zoe or I in any way believe that like we're going to slowly like inch inch the the walls of the rave <laughs> out until the entire world is is just Bergheim. Like a ch- uh, like annihilation. <laughs> I, or- right. I mean, that would be okay. Like if someone was like, I can do that right now, I'd be like, sure, why not? Let's there's, just do it. I there's, go for a, it. there's a China Mayville novel in there I've somewhere. said thing like a rave, a Posadist <laughs> rave version of the movie Annihilation, if oh, anyone's seen yeah. that, where like the blob just expands to yeah. consume the whole world, but it's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think either of us are like that's our that's our style of uh of social transformation that we're gonna do uh no we're just like this seems like a way because it's something that we've both experienced in our own lives it seems like a way for people to get a glimpse into what a different kind of society is like if only for a night if only for a day well i'm so i'm really glad you said that because uh peter lamborn wilson also Baby. stands uh gabriel abruzio who was a fascist so i was going to cancel you so you're not a fascist uh, we can move on uh, so, you know, i, I was... will also like to note that the current for uh, version of the zine that you're reading is a draft okay. and <laughs> uh we may re- remove that phrase now that i'm aware of its uh connotation so I don't think you should remove it. I mean, as problematic as Hakeem Bey could be, he was he was talking about, uh, you know, dropout culture and his like the, he uh, contributed to a really great book about U.S. dropout culture called Gone to Croatan. So he's not just talking about like Burning Man uh, and like uh, the Fiumi commune, I believe it was called. <laughs> it was. Yeah. He just, he's talking about like, you know, uh, the Paris commune or uh 
the the like like uh forgot the name of it the fucking the Senegal Free State or whatever mm. like yeah. situations where people secede and create like pirate a new utopias. society yeah. pirate utopias exactly or like Rojava and or the the origins of rave culture are from the autonomism the European autonomism uh well not the the, the lone origin but the, the kind of culture we are talking about right mm-hmm. uh in Italy in Germany in England uh the Netherlands that uh, was not just about partying and doing drugs and having like a night or a weekend of communal catharsis and ecstasy, um, but about, uh, you know, extra parliamentary, uh, anti-state, anti-capitalist organizing that that creates a new society while not playing into like the dominant logic of, of politics. So it wasn't just about squatting buildings to have raves. It was about uh, squatting buildings so you don't have to pay rent and squatting entire neighborhoods and defending those neighborhoods and street fighting and having wildcat strikes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think also, like, the place where I first encountered uh, temporary autonomous zones as a as a concept was, like, at Occupy. And, you know, for all of the problems and stuff with that, I do think that, like, we wouldn't be where we are today with, like, the leftist movement that we have in the U.S. if we hadn't had that sort of idea enter uh you know the public sphere in the u.s so i do you know obviously we're not like at a place where like socialism is about to happen in the u.s right now but like i think we're closer because that those places existed and we were able to see shit last year like the occupy ice stuff which was really really cool and it's like I think that's the kind of thing that we're thinking of is like, I mean, you know, it's like as we quote uh, AOC, our girl in in the zine, uh, you can't conceive of what you can't see or whatever she says. So, you know, you got to got to believe in it. Hell yeah. That's our queen. So (laughs) just to play devil's advocate for a second, uh, what would you say to all the people who say, hey, uh, much like Bohemian Grove, when they go pee on trees, this is something I do to escape, to have fun. Why are you trying to bring politics into this? Politics are depressing. Politics are sad. I just want to rave and turn my brain off for a night. Uh, totally get it. Totally understand. Um, yeah, it's actually a really good question. And I think most most listeners of your show are probably not the ones who would be asking such a question as they are, you know in in the in the political thing already but like you can't escape politics unfortunately like that warehouse that you're going to to have a dance party in uh is probably in a gentrifying neighborhood controlled by greedy asshole landlords and it's not going to be there in like a year or less if you don't invest in the politics that already impacts your life and obviously if you're pretty much anyone other than a straight white dude you're those politics are already like constraining you and your day-to-day lives and even if you are a straight white dude your rent your taxes all of these things are controlled by politics whether or not you have health care is controlled by politics it's impossible to not be affected by politics and so the only way to deal with that is to take power for yourself and for us. So, yeah. So what you're saying is we shouldn't let people enjoy things ever. No. Enjoying things is bad. Uh, no fun ever. Um, no. Yeah. Have fucking fun. 
it's good. We like it. We we like we having fun. We love going and doing a fun thing and partying and doing drugs and doing all that stuff. It's just that like you can do that and also think a little bit about what is allowing you to do that. What how how would you be able to have more fun perhaps if you were not working every single day of your life and struggling to pay your rent and pay for your health care and stuff. You would actually be able to have more time to rave so mm. that's all we're saying hell yeah so i think that is a really good place to end it but i'm gonna do what i always do and ruin it by asking you one more question okay because i saw that you had an interview with chelsea manning in there and i'm really curious how that came about i had no idea that she was so into techno so yeah the interview is actually an excerpt of an interview um by our friend uh rave queen michelle luke who is really rad and uh she did it for thump back while that publication still existed yes owned by the evil evil vice media (laughs) um no longer in operation uh thump is gone uh but yeah so i think she just you know was reading some stuff about chelsea manning and chelsea mentioned sort of you know randomly that she used to be really into going to raves when she was younger she's really into drum and bass and she is like a rave kid uh and so you know michelle who will never uh pass up an opportunity to do do a thing with (laughs) that seems impossible managed to get chelsea to go out raving with her and interviewed her about it So my heart, obviously, when we saw that was I mean, the like rave scene sort of rallying around Chelsea Manning was one of the things that sort of inspired us to want to do this in the first place. And so we were like, well, we know, like, if Michelle will let us, we would love to, like, run part of that interview in our in our scene. And so we did. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like if you need a like case study in raving giving someone a place to express themselves and to be who they are and to see a different way of doing things. Like I'm pretty sure Chelsea feels like that did exactly that for her. And as we know, she went on to to do some pretty cool stuff out there in the world and really like live her politics in an incredibly intense way. So, wow. Yeah. The rainbow emojis make a lot more sense now. <laughs> yeah, no, Chelsea is plur. Like, oh my God, she's so positive. She's like so rainbows hearts. All oh my that. God. I loved reading about how listening to music helped her survive under objectively horrible conditions in in jail in solitary confinement yeah which unfortunately she's fucking back there again right now so yeah i mean uh and and on that note um you know another thing we wanted to be able to do with this zine is just have a way to raise some money for things that we care about and um so i don't think this episode is going to come out before our zine launch but we're having a party on wednesday in new york to uh launch the zine and uh we're giving all the money that we make from selling the zine and from the party to uh this rad very small one person organization called no more dysphoria that gives money directly to trans people to help uh fund their transitions so oh hell yeah yeah, it's like a because we're also very into mutual aid that's awesome that's the mindset well we like to end on uh an actionable action item a plug 
a place you can donate, a thing you can do. So you can write a letter to Chelsea. She's yes. in prison right now, yes, and can. she really, really appreciates letters. And they're charging her, like, what, an insane amount of money every single day to try to get her to, like, break. Uh, so she needs all the help that she can get right now. Well, our hearts go out to her. Yeah. And we'll put ways to support her in the show notes, of course, as we often do. So is there anything else you'd like to plug before we move to the bonus portion of this week's episode? Um, I mean, you can check out our zine at pluralitariat.net. If you haven't gotten it yet, it's a portmanteau of plur and proletariat. (laughs) What? So... If you could just spell spell that out. Well, that mind. one's a real thinker. Well uh, played, Sophie. Yeah, well played. Thanks. Thanks. I'm I'm really smart. Uh, You're not the night editor at Splinter for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's it's pluralitarian.net. We're on we're all on all the on the social medias, so you can find us on there. And the zine will hopefully be online, and it's fully done form by the time this episode comes out so Hell check yeah. it out and we are pro portmanteau here at the antifada <laughs> if pro you hadn't man- already noticed pro manteau mm-hmm. <laughs> all right thanks sophie <laughs> spread the yeah, portmanteaus no around on to Thanks, the bonus guys. 